Well, I'm excited again to bring God's Word to you this evening for those that are joining us um, uh, uh, online, and thank you so much. Um, if you have your Bibles, I would like to encourage you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. This is our, I think, the fourth or the fifth week that we are in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, so far, we have looked um, at the, the, the persecution, uh, the, the persecution of Jesus. We looked at crucifixion. We looked at the resurrection. Uh, last week, we looked at Jesus also met with the two on the road of Emmaus. Emmaus and um, we want to also to continue down that um, on the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. So we're going to look at, um, at Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 45, 47, I think. Um, 48, 49, sorry, I got to get my passage clear. Um, Luke 36 to 49. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me. And um, I always like to say, you know, for those of you that are here, please take your Bible and follow along as well as much as we are um, sharing the passage on the screen. It's always good to make notes as well as you follow along. For those of you that are joining us online, we'd like to encourage you. I am always reading from the English Standard Version. Some of you may have King James or NIV, and that's okay too. Words may be uh, a, a bit slightly different, but um, the message is still the same. So I want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn with me. Um, let us ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, we thank you for your word this evening, Lord. Thank you, God, once again that we can come. Your word, O oh God, we know is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, I pray, God, this evening that you will speak to us, every one of us, wherever there is a listening ear, O oh God. We just pray, God, that you will open the hearts of your people Open up their minds, open up their understanding to hear your word. It is only you that can open up our hearts through the power of your spirit to make known your ways to us through your word. And so this evening, God, I pray that self will not be seen, but that your name will be glorified, that you will be lifted up, Father. We pray, O oh God, that let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our salvation. And so we pray and ask your blessing and ask your leading in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 24, we're at the very end of the gospel of Luke, verse 36. And it says this, and it says here, and this is, this is the continuation from last week. Um, it says, as they were talking, this is, these are the disciples, and it says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? That is, I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when, they ha and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the laws of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
must be fulfilled. And then he opened their hearts, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in the name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city that is Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. This is God's word. We give thanks to God for his word this evening. And um, we're going to continue to look uh, in the passage that we were looking at last week um, on the resurrection um, morning, which is this Sunday morning. Jesus first, we all knew that Jesus first appeared to Mary Madeline and to several others. Then the same morning, he was on the road to Emmaus, um, having a discourse, like we saw last week, with Cleopas and his companion. And um, after a short time, after they um, reached where they were going, he, he, they invited him. He break bread, which is he had communion with them. And then he opened their eyes so that they can get a glimpse of him. And um, it says there last week that immediately um, he vanished after, um, you know, revealing himself to them. He vanished from their sight. And um, I I, I wonder as I read that passage um, this week again, um, if we as also as believers in Christ, if you ever wonder why Jesus never stayed with Cleopas and his companion, revealing himself, making himself known, why he never stayed in that way uh, with them. But immediately he was transfigured from where he was, and then we saw him back in Jerusalem. So he completely left them where they were, and then went all the way to Jerusalem. He went ahead of them. But um, John and Luke is giving us that um, all of that, um, that, that history, all of that story, um, so to help us to understand uh, the, the, the resurrection in more detail. And um, Jesus vanished from their sight. And, um, and like I said, have you ever wondered why he never stayed in Jerusalem? And I think believe simply because he wanted to reveal himself to, to his disciples first. That is the reason why he left and he went all the way to, um, uh, back to Jerusalem. So he left um, uh, where he were, where he was, sorry, and then he, um, we, we read the passage of scripture here this evening that he was with his disciples, and I believe that's exactly what he wanted to do. Um, but the scripture also says that Cleopas and his companion that we looked at last week, um, they were excited because one they were they were in doubt, one they were in despair, one they were their hearts were troubled, they they were worried, they had no hope. And then when they met the Lord, he made known to him, make known himself to them. He revealed himself. And they were filled with an, a sense of excitement and joy in their heart. And, and, and as they received, as they saw the risen Christ, you know, for that little moment, they, it says that they didn't waste time. They just left right where they were and they went back. They were going to share the good news. They were going to tell others. They were going to tell the disciples that he is no longer dead, but now that he is alive. And, and that is what happened to each and every one of us who come 
in, in who come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. When you come to know who Jesus is, you want to you wanna tell everybody. You want to tell your friends. You want to share it with your neighbors. You want to share it with your family. You want to tell them about this experience and, and, and this love of God that you have received. Um, but we know for certain that they're not everybody who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. When they go and share the good news, it's not always re- received with, with joy and people are not always celebrating with them. Um, there are people who are converted to Christianity, but it's a fear. There is always this, this fear in their heart to tell their friends or their family because they will be persecuted for making that decision, for, for, for coming to know Christ. And, um, and some of us, some of our experiences are quite different, especially if you come from a, another religious background or a different culture that does not um, embrace Christianity. Um, you're persecuted for or rejected for your faith in Christ, this newfound faith, and people, some people's lives are taken from them as well. But not only do you have persecution from friends and families, but even for, you know, you, you have persecution all over. But coming to Christ, brothers and sisters, it's always a joyous a moment. It's always a joyous experience. I don't know about you, but I can tell you, you know, 30-something years ago, you know, um, when I experienced that in my life, um, you know, I, I, I gave my life to Christ, surrendered my life, whatever, um, you know, uh, I made that decision all these years to follow him and to believe that, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And I've accepted him. There was this joy of wanting in my heart to tell everybody. And that's exactly what I did. I've been telling friends, telling families, letting them know that this joy that I receive, I'm no longer the same but I'm a new person in Christ. And sharing that excitement on any one of my friends and family can tell you that is exactly what I did. And uh, you, I was doing, and I'm still doing that today, telling people about the love of Christ, every opportunity that I have, and sharing this joy. And I believe that Cleophas and his companion were felt the sums in, in a similar way. But I mean, they saw him for who he is. Today, we, we're not seeing him. Today, we believe by faith. And, and we still share that joy and share that excitement. But I could imagine what was happening in Cleopas and his companion's heart and in their mind. That they just wanted to tell others. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were going back. They were going back to share the good news to, uh, to, to the rest of the disciples. They thought they had some things to share with them. They thought they had this good news to share. That's what they were going back to do. Something none of them had experienced. But, but they, they, they were surprised when Cleophas and, and they, his companion came. He, they were surprised that Jesus has already revealed himself to Simon. And, 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 you know, they thought they were bringing good news. But yet, the good news was already there. And Simon, had, the Lord had already made known himself to Simon and to Mary Madeline and a few. However, even though they knew of the resurrection, the disciples Oh, as they came and they met the disciples in the upper room, um, they were willing to share this joy. And even though they came and they knew that, you know, that it was not all of that good news that they were bringing, that the news was already known. Um, the disciples, what they discovered was that the disciples were, were, were living in fear. They were in this room and they were living in fear. They were in fear of of their lives. They were still afraid of the Jews. They were still afraid of what was happening. All this resurrection story was a bit confusing to them. 
They were, they were not sure what to believe. They were not sure what to, to do. They were not sure what next step to take. And, and they were in this, in, in this in, they were like in a, in a rock and a hard place. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to turn. And even though Jesus has made himself known to them before, for that short moment, they were all, um, they were all afraid of their lives. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that they were all afraid even though they had such a, an experience that morning? And the disciples had two things to wrestle with. One was the risen Christ and two, the fear of their lives. Can you imagine that? They are afraid of what men are going to do to them. They are afraid of, of the Jews. They are afraid of persecution. They are afraid of all of that thing. But yet again, they had the resurrection to contend with. They knew that the Lord was not dead. They knew that he was no longer in the grave. They knew that he has risen from the dead. But yet again, they were still in doubt and still in fear. Has that ever happened to you in your Christian life? Let me talk to you this evening. Have you ever been, 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 been doubting even what God has been doing in your life? Even though you see God move in the lives of people and you hear all this beautiful thing, there's still doubt in your heart as well. You're still doubting whether Jesus Christ is real. You're still doubting whether this Christian life is, is as, as what it, as, you know, they, they, they talk about. Because you can experience that joy. You can experience that happiness. You can experience all that we talk about sometimes. And, the, and so the disciples had two things to wrestle with. The risen Christ and the fear of their lives. There were men who were still not certain how to move forward with this good news. Because they had nothing, nothing to prove of the resurrection. They had nothing to prove. All they had was words. They, all they had was what, they, that little moment of time. All they had was their testimony. A testimony which was hard to convince others about. And where was the evidence? The Lord was nowhere to be found. But John um, told us that they were in a closed room. That's how much fear they had. John is the one, when we read the gospel of John chapter 20, John, tell, John is the one who will help us to understand that where they were sitting, where they were meeting that they, they, in the evening. So all of this took place in the day. Morning he met with Mary Madeline. He was on the road to Emmaus. Um, and then in the evening he's meeting with his disciples. And, and John says, then the same day at evening, and this is the third experience. Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, you see, they didn't have an open door. Maybe the windows were closed. But he says, John, John says that the doors were shut. Means that they were not willing to allow anyone in. Anyone in. That's how much afraid they were. And, and look what John says, for fear of the Jews. And in the midst of a locked door, and the place was closed. In the midst of all of that, John says, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. While they were afraid, Jesus came and, and stood in the midst of them. And he said to them, peace be with you, or peace with you, as Luke says. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, that same evening, John says, while they were somewhat sharing in the excitement, at the same time being afraid, Jesus appeared to them. He makes known himself to them. For the first time, he's going to make such a, 
an appearance or a revelation to them that they would see him for who he is in his resurrected form, in his resurrected body, in his glorified body. Not a body that you and I have, but a more glorified body. And they were filled with doubt and fear. And Jesus' words to them was, peace to you, or peace be with you. Now, why would Jesus greet these men in such a fashion, greet them in, in such a manner? Why do you bring, why do you bring, um, why do you bring them people, bring peace to them in the midst of fear? Because he brings the word of peace or the greetings, peace to them, because they were, they were men whose heart were filled with fear and doubt even in the midst of all of what was happening, even in, in, in all of what they experienced on that Sunday, they were still afraid. So Jesus were not going to just reveal himself, but he greets them with this word of peace. And, and he wanted to give them these comforting words. He wanted to comfort their hearts and to cheer them up. Words of assurance so that they are no longer afraid. And it was only three days since these same men, these disciples, ran for their lives. They rejected the Lord. He knew that. And they were afraid. Not only did they reject him, but now they were afraid of their lives. And Jesus came with words of comfort to them in such a way to reassure them that they had nothing to be afraid of. And brothers and sisters, it's the same thing you and I have today. We have the assurance, we have this sense of peace in our heart. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you also believe in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. We have this, these, the words of assurance. Jesus says, I have the words of life. And I bring peace. And Jesus was saying that as much as you rejected me, as much as you leave me alone, as much as you are filled with doubt and fear, yes, I bring peace. I bring peace to you, reassure them, they, they, not only about this peace that comes, but this peace that comes from God. God the Father, this peace has been made possible through His death, His life, and His burial and resurrection. Du during fear, and doubt we can still have peace because we all know the Prince of Peace. In the midst of fear and doubt, brothers and sisters, we can have peace and only have peace through Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what he was doing, that you no longer had to be afraid. You no longer had to be afraid of man and what they're going to do to you, but you can have the peace of God. And he says this peace that passeth all understanding will fill your hearts through Jesus Christ. He will comfort you, brother, no matter in what state, in what place you are in your life, or what state, place you are in your walk and relationship. No matter what it is that you can find peace. When you know Jesus, you find peace. You cannot separate Jesus from peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And that is the reason why He greeted them in such a fashion. And even when Jesus revealed Himself to them, they thought they were seeing a ghost. That's exactly what John Luke says. They were afraid as if they were seeing a spirit. It means that they, they, these men were not hallucinating. But the John says that they were seeing, they felt as if they were, they were seeing a ghost. And he had to reassure them that it was he indeed, their Lord, their Christ. And he says, come see. 
Come see me for who I am. And there is nothing to be afraid of. He says, he says touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. But there are four things. There are four things in the passage of scripture that we read today. After Jesus make known to them. When he comfort them with the words. Peace with you. There are four things that he said to them. To comfort them. One is that the, that, that the, that, that the resurrection is certain. Or the certainty. The certainty of the resurrection. That the resurrection is true. It's real. Because he appeared to them. That's the first thing. The second thing is the importance of the word of God. The third thing is the great commission. And the fourth thing is the importance of the Holy Spirit. Those are the four things that we're going to look at tonight. In, those four, in that passage that we read there tonight, there is, those are the four things that Jesus will comfort them with. Let us look at the first one. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the, uh, the assurance or the, the certainty of the resurrection. And hear what it says, verse 24. But, but, they were, but they were startled and frightened. Look at verse 37 and 43. They were frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet, that is myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And Luke goes on to give us exactly what took place that evening. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 41. And, and it's an interesting passage. If you are reading the Bible carefully, he says, And while they still, he made known himself to them. But look what he says. And while they still what? Disbelieved for joy. Have you ever seen anything like that? Disbelieved for joy and were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? But look at that passage of scripture again. Have you ever wondered what it means to disbelieve for joy? Have you ever wondered what that means to disbelieve for joy? I'm certain that many or most of you have been to that place in your life. You have experiences. You have once disbelieved for joy. But what does it mean? You see, you, uh, you, they were so full of excitement to see the Lord in the midst of them. They, they knew that it was the resurrected Christ. They knew that it was the resurrected Lord. They knew it was their master. They had this joy because he made known to them himself. But yet again, yet again with this excitement and this joy of seeing him, there was this disbelief. It was like, you know, I, I can't believe this is happening. I cannot believe that this is happening. I cannot believe my eyes. Have you ever felt that way before? I mean, think about people who hear, you know, a, a, a life-transforming news, something, maybe they got a million dollars or something. And, and, and have you ever been that place in your life and said, man, I cannot believe my eyes. It seems like there is a sense of doubt, but yet again, the thing is real. And, and you're so filled with joy. And you're just like, yes, I don't believe it. This is happening. You, you, still, you, you still declare, I, I don't believe it, but it's real. And that's how they were in that upper room. 
I just don't know. And Luke is giving us that story. He said, they disbelieved with joy. There was this disbelief. I don't believe my eyes. It's our Lord. It's my master. It's my savior. It's my Christ. It's the Messiah. And this doubt. To calm them down, he asked them to give them something to eat. Because, you know, they were, they were like, I don't believe it. And maybe just to calm them down, to say, yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. I know, you're doubt I know you're filled with excitement, but you're also doubting. Yes, it's me. I'm going to show you. To calm them down, he says, give me something to eat. For those of us who read the book of Luke, I want to say this this evening. Um, for those of us who are reading our Bible, especially in the gospel, who have gone through the book of Luke, Luke there are over 19 different passages when it comes to eating a meal. It is the gospel that is known as the meal gospel. 19 passages and places you can find that Jesus was having a meal. He had meal in the upper room. Here he's having meal with the disciples. Here the Lord's Supper, he was having meals. And 19, 19 places you can find the gospel, make known of, of the time when Jesus was having. And this was no different. So Jesus asked them for something to eat and what they gave him? Broiled fish. Broiled fish. I mean, of everything, what, what would you find in a fisherman uh, uh, in those days in a fisherman's home? Fish. And they give him fish, boiled fish to eat. And the reason why he did that is to show them that they had nothing to fear, nothing to doubt, that he is the resurrected Lord and Christ. So he assured them of the resurrection. He assured them that it was he. That's the first thing he did. The second thing is the importance of the word. Look how the Lord helped them to, to become men and women that are filled with passion and boldness. Gone from fear and doubt to boldness. Look what he said to them. And then he said to them, these are my words. Look at verse 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And Jesus is reminding them again about what he said many times. That everything written about me in the law, look at it, in the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms. Three things, threefold, which is the Old Testament. The law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus says, everything that is written about me. Why are you doubting? Why is there fear? This, is, this had to happen. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. And then he, and look at what Luke is saying. Then he opened their eyes. Then he opened their minds, sorry, to understand the scripture. And said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and under terror they rise from the dead. So when people are saying, oh, they are so sorry that Jesus had to die on a cross. They are so sorry that men had to crucify him and reject him and did all that they had to. You don't have to be sorry about that. You do not have to be sorry about that. It is written in the scripture, this is what must happen. This is what must happen. And here he's assuring them. They were, they were, they were so worried about, oh, they rejected him. They, they left him alone. He, and if they had stood up and fight for him, he would have been alive. Maybe all of that was going through their mind. But you don't have to fight for, for, for him. The battle is not yours. The battle is Christ. And it says everything is written. And Luke says, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. 
And this is an important to us, an important lesson for each and every one of us who are believers in Christ and those that are following. You see, the Bible is not just only an ordinary book or any kind of book, or it's like every other book that you pick up and read. The Bible is not that. It's not like a book you will pick up and read off the shelf. No, it's not. It's not like any other book. It is the word of the living God. It is the word of the living God, and we need to treat it as the word of God, because it is the word of God. Every 66 book here is the Word of God. And yet again, people don't take time to read it. Yet again, people don't take time to, 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 to spend time in God's Word, to hear what God has to say to them. But we will read every and anything else, but not our Bible. And Jesus is, is helping them to understand how important is the Word. Because it's the same thing He said to Cleopas and his companion when He opened up their minds in verse 32. Hear what it says. And they, and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he would talk with us on the road? And he opened to us the scriptures. You know why the Bible is not any other, any other ordinary book? Because an ordinary book, you can read it and understand it for yourself. But not the Bible. The Bible, you need God, Holy Spirit to make known to you what is written here. You need the revelation of God. You need the Holy Spirit that inspired this word to open up your heart. Not because no scholars and, and, and people in the past who studied the Bible to prove it wrong could never understand the scripture. Yes, they may have other evidences, but they will never be able to understand it if they are not a believer in Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And let us not treat the Bible as if it's a book that needs to be sitting on our shelf or somewhere that we keep it nice and safe in a nice cabinet or a nice, you know, case. And we don't read it. The Word of God is important to us. Because in the Word of God, God make known Himself to us through His Word. This is the written Word. The written Word reveals the living Word. The written Word, the written Word, which is the Bible, reveals the living Word. The living Word is Christ. John says when he wrote, in the beginning, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Logos. This Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this written Word reveals the living Word to us. And for us to know the living Word, which is Christ, we must read the living Word, the written Word. We must read our Bible. And Jesus was reminding them that His death and resurrection was foretold so many times. Something which they should have, have something which should have caused them, should not have caused them, um, caused them, I caught them by surprise, sorry. You see the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. And these are, this speaks of the threefold division of the Hebrew text. Which means all of scripture is of Christ. All of the Old Testament speak of Him. From Genesis to Malachi, speak of Him. From Malchu to Revelation, speak of Him. And we must never ignore the Old Testament and say, oh, only the New Testament is relevant. No, 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 no. If Jesus was reminding them about the text, we also need to be reminded the importance of the Old Testament. We just don't believe one part of the Bible and leave the rest for, some, for, for, for someone else. 
No, you believe everything. So not only did he reassure them of the resurrection, not only did he show them about the importance of the word, but look at the next thing. Look at what Jesus is going to help them to understand. They got, a, they got the risen Christ. They were assured of the resurrection. They had nothing to be afraid. He told them about the importance of the word. And, that, and then the third thing is the Great Commission, which is the mission of the church. Verse 47. And hear what he said to them. And, and that repentance for, read it carefully. Jesus did not say go and tell people to believe. Only, he said, that repentance, the mission of the church, this great commission that the church has given, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins must or should be proclaimed in his name, in Christ's name, to all nations. You're not just taking it to a, a one bunch of people, one group of people. He says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. must be proclaimed in his name, in his name, to all nations, beginning from where? From Jerusalem. And Jesus said to them, you, every one of us that are here and that are there that night, that evening, you are witnesses of these things. The mission of the Christian church and the mandate of every born-again believers in Christ is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I said to the church this morning that you're not only, we're not only Christians, are not only people who just show up in church. We are called to be the, the, the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're called to, be, to show compassion and love. We're called to, to, to bear witness to those that are wrong us. And we're not only people who just show up in church and have a good time. But we're called to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to know that they are a sinner and sinner needs a savior. And they need to repent and turn away from their sin. They need forgiveness of, uh, for their sins. And Jesus said, forgiveness, repentance must be preached. It must be proclaimed. And that is the reason why we preach repentance. We preach repentance because we are all sinners in the eyes of a holy God. We're separated by God. And forgiveness of sin is only made possible through Jesus Christ. Through the finished work of Christ, forgiveness is made possible. You can't get forgiveness if there was no resurrection. You can't get forgiveness unless Jesus Christ died on a cross. And that is what he was saying to them. It is important that you take this message. And Peter stood up on the day after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Man of Israel, hear these words. You're the one who crucified him, but this Jesus. God raised him from the dead. And, and, and after Peter preached such a powerful statement on the day of Pentecost, Bible says they were cut in their hearts and they screamed, what must we do to be saved? And what Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you. He didn't just say, okay, hey, you know what? You believe in Jesus, but then you don't have to worry about anything. People, I know people who, who just believe in Jesus, but they never turn away from, the, from worshiping idols and images. When you come to Christ, you come to him in full trust. You surrender your entire life to him. You don't believe in Jesus and believe in everything else. It's either Jesus and Jesus alone, in Christ alone. 
You don't believe in Jesus and everything else. You either make that decision to follow him and him alone. It's not Jesus and. And you start to name. And so many Christians who still have Jesus here. They have Jesus here. They have maybe Buddha here. They have Shintoism here. They have their little belief here. They have their little system here. They have their little angel here. They have their little Cupid here. And they got Jesus there. And all of them, these things they will worship at the same time. Oh, I believe a little about Jesus. And I believe a little about the, about, about the Cupids. And a little about the horoscope. And I'm going to believe a little about... No, 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 no. You can't do that. That's not what Jesus asked you to do. It's either Christ and Him and Him alone. It's not Jesus and. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ Alone, not Jesus and everything else. Not Jesus and everything else. It's either him and him alone. So you need to examine your life. You need to check your life and say, am, am I carrying Jesus or am I carrying him and everything else? What else are you carrying along with Jesus? See, he doesn't want to be in the same, same bag. He doesn't want to be in the same, the same bundle as you pack him up with everybody else. And if you get in with everything else, you need to start to clean up, clean out your, your, your suitcase or your baggage and all the things you carry and says, you know what, I'm going to just completely surrender. That is what it means to surrender your entire life to Christ. You trust him and him alone and nothing else. Nothing else. And there are so many Christians who still hang on. We hang on to our baggage and we still want Jesus to heal us and deliver us and set us free. But yet again, we don't want to trust him. And that is what Jesus was comforting them with. If you're going to take this message, it's, it's one message you are taking. It's him and him alone. And that is the mission of the church is to preach because he alone offers forgiveness of sin. And he alone can forgive. John says that if we, in First John... That if we say that we have fellowship with him, which is Christ, while we walk in darkness. And you wonder why some people are still in darkness. Because they still sometimes may live a lie. That they are not sinners. And they don't need to repent. And they don't need to turn away from their sin. Because you know what? I, 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 I still uh, show up to church. But they never would repent and, 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 and surrender and confess their sins. Jesus, John says, you, we, we, we lie and we do not know or practice the truth. If you can't turn away from your sin, if you can't acknowledge the work that Christ has done and see yourself as a sinner and you need a savior and you need to repent. John said, you, you lie and do not know the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You did not die on a cross, so you can't forgive your sin. Only Jesus can. You did not die on a cross. You did not shed your blood. John says, if we say we have no sin, look at it. John says, if you sit here tonight and says you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in us. 
But here is the assurance. If we confess, if you and I confess our sin, confession is something that Christians do. We don't go and uh, go to someone in a box and say, Father, I, forg- I forgive my sin, I have sin. No, we come to Christ and we say, Father, forgive me. Lord, forgive me of my sin. We don't go to man, we go to God. If we confess our sin, He is, only He is faithful to forgive us of our sin. Not anybody else can forgive us, only Christ can. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here what John says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, the message of the church is not only to go and tell people that God loves you or Jesus loves you. No, but men also need to know that they are sinners. We need, they need to know that they are lost. They need to know that they need forgiveness of sin. They need to know that there is a Savior that forgives. And only through Jesus Christ we can receive a forgiveness of sin. And men need forgiveness. Not only Christ can offer, and only Christ can offer that. Only Christ has the remedy for sin. And not only did he tell and reassure them about the resurrection, about the importance of the word, about the mission of the church. But the fourth thing, look what he said to them. And behold, he says, and behold, I am sending, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. So they were not just to go out. He says, I am sending the Father upon you. All that you're going to go and do to preach this gospel. He says, behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city which is in Jerusalem and you will be clothed with the power from on high. He says, you wait for the coming Holy Spirit. You wait until I send the promise. What was the pro- promise of the Father to the Son? If Jesus had, when Jesus accomplished all that he had, he fulfilled he received the promise from the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter will stood up a day and says, This Jesus whom you persecute, read Acts chapter 2 and verse 33. Preacher said, This is the promise that God has given to the Son, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I'm sending you now. The, the importance of, for us to preach God's word, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. They did not had that at that moment, but they were to wait. They were to wait. Only those who are forgiven, only those who have come to faith, are the ones called to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost. And those who are forgiven will carry the message of hope to a world that is lost. And they were going to do it not in their own strength. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that they were able to touch the world, 12 ordinary men were able to change the course of this world with the gospel from every nation, tongue, and tribe, from Jerusalem all the way to Samaria, to Judea, and to the uttermost part of the world. It took the church that were empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of us who come to faith in Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit. And we have the power to proclaim, we have the power to share the good news of this gospel to a world that is lost. 
You see, we don't have to press the gospel down to people's truth. We don't have to make them, to, to, we don't have to present the gospel in such a way that you force them to believe. Everything that when you present the gospel, Paul said the gospel is the power of God. It is the gospel that will convict the hearts of men and women through the work of the Holy Spirit and bring them to faith. It is not you. You can't bring people to faith. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, if you're going to go out, if you're going to tell, if you're going to proclaim, you need the Holy Spirit. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the, at the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that means to us as believers in Christ. And Jesus says, I am sending you out. The commission that we have is from him. The promise to go is from him. The mandate is for us to go and witness to our friends, our neighbors, and our family. And when we go, we're not going in our own strength to convince them to believe what we believe. No, we share the good news of the gospel. That's all we're called to do. Our mandate is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, as a church, we're not going to be alone. We're going to have the Holy Spirit. And I want to finally close with these words. And Luke is going to remind us. Dr. Luke is going to remind us. Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. Hear what he says when he wrote the gospel. When he wrote this letter to, to Theophilus. Hear what he says in verse 1, chapter 1. He says, in as much, in as much as my heart, as, in as much as many has undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, Luke says, to write an orderly, Luke says, I'm writing to you, Theophilus, an orderly account of for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And that is the reason why we have the evidence, the truth of God's word, is that we have eyewitnesses of Kunk, not only of the resurrection, but in everything that we hear, everything that we do, and everything that we preach. So the four things here tonight as we close, I want to remind you that when Jesus appeared to them that evening in the upper room, it was to reassure them of the resurrection. That yes, the resurrection, that he rose from the grave. And not only did he assure them of the resurrection, but the importance of the word. And also of their great commission of the work that they have to do. But he also tell them that they don't have to do it alone that they will need the power of the Holy Spirit and He will empower them to go do this work. And we are not here today, believers, because, oh, we want, to, we want to do it by ourselves. We're here because God has called us and anointed us and has given us the Holy Spirit to proclaim this good news. The mandate of this church is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And we will continue to deliver on that mandate. So I thank you this evening. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Father, we give thanks to you, Lord, for your word to make known yourself to us again through your word. Lord, not only did you reveal yourself to your disciples, 
Not only did you make known yourself to them. Oh God, reassuring them of the resurrection. God, but you also help them to understand the importance of this word. The word that we have today. And not only that, but it's the mandate of each and every one of us of the church to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But you said to us, Lord, that we will not have to do it alone. We'll do it not in our own strength, on our own gifts, on our own ability, but God, you have given us the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, God, that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we put our hands to do, God, Lord God, it will done to bring honor and glory to your name because we're not doing it here. We're not here today for a show. We're not here to perform. We're here to, Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus. And we're here to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that you continue to work in the hearts and the lives of your people and touch them wherever they are and bring them to the knowledge of the truth that only you can do that in their heart, Lord. It's only you can change the hearts and the lives of men and women. But you have called us to be faithful in this walk. You've called us to be faithful in all that we do. And so we pray, God, that you will continue to speak and to place in our hearts this burden and passion, Lord, for the lost. In Jesus' name, amen.